Hello, everyone. My name is Kimberly. I'm host of the podcast, Self Love Sister, and I'm so excited to introduce myself to all the new followers. This is going to be a little background of your host. I have scleroderma, Raynaud's, and APS. And scleroderma is a skin type and condition. Raynaud's is you lose blood circulation in your outer extremities, and APS is antiphospholipid syndrome, which can cause blood clots. So, my first symptoms when I was diagnosed was I was eight and we had just moved from California to Georgia. Little did I know that what was coming forward was going to be very hard for me at first, you know, being that I was so young. We went to this lake. Um, It was actually Lake Lanier. So for those of you that have looked into Lake Lanier or know the history, it's a very bad lake. It used to be a city, I believe, and like bodies down there. And it's just a dead town. It's a horrible lake. So please avoid it <laughs> if you come to Georgia. But yeah, that was not the case for me. I, I was eight and it was like a family gathering. So a lot of us went down there just to make like carne asada and stuff like that and hang out. When I went to this lake, I came out with my fingers purple. Now I did not have pain and I did not have open wounds. My fingers were just purple and we didn't know why. And we thought I was wearing purple shorts and we were like, maybe it's a dye from the shorts. Like it was just something that we couldn't explain. So we waited maybe three days and then I started, my my hands were really stiff. My mom was like, you know, this is not right. I mean, I was fine. At least I thought I was. Yeah, my fingers were just purple and it was something that we couldn't explain. So from there, we went to my family doctor and they couldn't explain it. They thought that maybe it was arthritis. When I went to this doctor, my fingertips were not purple. It was just a sniffness in my hands. So, or he diagnosed me with arthritis. Now, arthritis is like joint pain um, and it makes your fingers really stiff. And you can get mistaken by one of them. And me being eight years old, that I didn't know how to advocate for myself. They diagnosed me with arthritis and I was on the wrong medication for four years. And my parents only, they saw a regular child who was born healthy, but she would complain on and off and my parents didn't know you know why being that I was taking this medication and my mom was not happy she was googling arthritis and she said my daughter's hands don't look like this she she's really tired it was just not what arthritis was and so my mom was googling I remember she would stay up all night and still had to go to work the next day I don't think I tell her enough but Thank you. No, it's still something I get emotional and I get sad and my, you know, I still get teary eyed. But when I think back, I'm like, oh my God, I really went through all this and I'm, and I'm still here. I, I get to talk about it. But thank God for my mother. We went back to the stop. This um, medication is not working for her. Uh, you know, I don't see any different. I see, if anything, I see her worse. My disease was progressing as I got older. As I got to middle school, yeah, things were just not looking right. It was getting more constant. And so she, she, the doctor was still telling her like arthritis has these effects, keep going. And my mom was like, no, she does not look right. So she took me to another family doctor and that doctor referred me to a rheumatologist. Now, this is where the fun begins. We met a doctor, Dr. Vogler. He was a rheumatologist. He's now retired, but I'm so grateful for him because he put me on this medication called Tetoxan, specifically for scleroderma and Raynaud's and you know, he actually listened to me, even though he would, you know, ask my mom a lot of the questions, but he would look at me and say, what are you feeling? And I, you know, I was 12 years old. I, I was scared to talk to adults at that time. He would always like talk to me personally. And, and I really appreciate that. So I was 12 when I was rightfully diagnosed with scleroderma and Raynaud. I thought I was well, 
Um, I was able to play the violin and do cheerleading and had like a quote unquote normal life. Um, I didn't have open wounds. I didn't lose my fingertips until after high school, thank God. <laughs> but I do remember my senior year was really rough. My autoimmune had taken a toll on my mental health and it, it was really bad fatigue. I, I remember I had to specifically talk to all my teachers. We all um, were in a conference room and we were talking with the vice principal. We told them what was up with my medical history. And everyone was so great because at the time, I believe we could only have like three missed school days to um, exempt your final exams. And even though I didn't miss a lot of school, I was always up to date on my schoolwork. So I remember you had to get an A in every single class. Having all this medical stuff, you know, we talked to the teachers and we were like, you know, someday she is going to have to miss school because she's really fatigued or she has medical treatments or whatnot. I got to exempt my finals because I was a really good student and I got all A's in all classes, except for one teacher, which I will not name, but she had her favorites, but that's okay. One out of six classes, like I got to exempt and it was, it was really great. On that final exam, I got an 88, not to like brag or anything, but I did really good. <laughs> I was really proud of my high school classes and I look back at it, it was a really fond memory. And then it came time for graduation. I got really, really nervous and I was having a really bad flare up on my foot. I was so scared that I was not going to be able to walk. That was mentally draining because it was something that I had worked so hard for and just having that thought of not being able to walk was really terrifying to me. You know, it really took a toll on my mental health, but luckily enough, I got to walk. My school was over and I got my diploma. I thought life was going really good. After I graduated, I graduated at 18. So right after that, I really, really started to focus on fitness. I'm really passionate about fitness. And that to me, like going to the gym, it's just like a mental break. I get to have that hour, hour and a half just to relax, even if it is just on a treadmill walking. I get to have 30 minutes of peace. I get to like listen to my podcast, you know, read the book. It's just me time. And I really value that. I got really fit for those two years. Like my health has never been better. I was stronger mentally and physically. You know, I felt like things were going really well. I was excited for my future. Um, I had a really positive outlook. And then it hit me at 21. I got two strokes and we didn't know why. I went from 130 pounds to 92 pounds in a little over two months. I really thought and my family thought that I was just going to pass away. It was a very scary time where the final straw was that um, we were all eating five guys at, in my bedroom and we were all having conversation. My family never liked to leave me alone. And at that time, they did not see me well. They were surrounding my bed because I couldn't walk or I had no strength to go downstairs to the dining room. So they brought the food up to my room. We were just laughing, having like a normal conversation. And all of a sudden, my left lip drops and I couldn't talk. They didn't under, or I could talk, but they didn't understand what I was saying. At that point, you know, they all dropped the hamburgers and my mom called 911. It was so scary. I was in the hospital for about three weeks doing test after test after test, and they couldn't figure out why. And so I went through so much medical procedures and, you know, they never gave me an answer. That first stroke was very terrifying, but it was always like, we don't know why. We don't know why, like what happened to her. And so that was in January. I had a second stroke, a stroke in July. 
And that's when I was, I was in a wheelchair still, but my mom had to help me shower because again, I was 92 pounds. I couldn't like physically stand up on my, you know, I really, I was so weak, but I recall my mom helping me shower. You can see my bones. It was, it was really bad. And all of a sudden I told her, I said, I can't see my, my mind went blank. I don't really remember what happened after that. I just remember I was laying on, on her bed. She called 911 and I, re- I, I don't remember like what happened. I just remember, you know, kind of waking up in the hospital. It was so traumatic and I don't wish this upon anyone. So when we went there for the second time, we went to the ER. No one said, you know, she had a stroke. We, we don't know why. We don't know, you know, no one can give us an answer. We had a doctor who had, first of all, he had not given me like any treatments, nothing. So he just walks in. He said, oh, she has cancer. I mean, us in a terrifying position, like, or we look back at it now and we're like, why do we believe him? He hadn't done anything to you. But in that moment, when you don't know what's going on, you're freaking out. Um, Yeah, we believed him. And I really want to make this a note that I feel like medical professionals need to understand they're talking to human beings that have emotions. And that's just not something you can throw out there and expect them to be okay. Then he, then he leaves. So, I mean, we're freaking out. We're panicking. My mom told me, you're going to be okay. He doesn't know anything. And then he comes back, he comes back in like five minutes later. He said, oh no, um, that was a different patient. And from there, we go on to do a bunch of tests. And one of the tests, it was um, where they put a needle in your back to take out fluid. Now the doctor had came in before I had this test to warn us that if I move or if the needle hits a part of my back that um, where it's not supposed to, I could, you know, permanently not be able to walk. So we were like, how important is this test? And they said, look, like, we don't know why she's having these reactions. Like this test is very important, but just know that if she moves, she could be paralyzed from the waist down. I mean, we were praying, we were asking God, like, get her through this test. Okay. And I remember at that time, we had a lot of family support grateful for each and every one of them that were there for us because it was a very scary time we didn't I mean we went from the family that used to host parties and be fun to now being isolated in the hospital for six months we weren't happy you could see the joys in our faces were just I mean we didn't know what to expect it was a very terrifying moment so after I had that procedure done the next day I couldn't walk you know, concerned mother who was freaking out about, you know, what was going on. I remember my cousin had came to visit me that day and her husband, so Sarah and Carlos, and I remember Jocelyn, my younger sister, she was in there and I said, I have to go to the bathroom. Where my Carlos had stepped out and I remember Sarah and Jocelyn were like, okay, well, we're not waiting until the nurses come. So we're going to pick you up. <laughs> And that's, that's a memory that I have. I don't remember a lot of things when I was in the hospital, but I remember them carrying me to the bathroom. Like now that I can walk, now that I can talk, now that I can see, I, I really do, you know, say thank you every single day. I say, thank you for letting me open my eyes or thank you for, you know, being able to talk on this podcast. Uh, thank you for the amazing people I get to talk to and thank you for the family support that I have.
because I don't think I could have gone through what I went through without having family support. My doctor visits are now once every year. I see the stroke clinic once every year, but for the first few months, I, I was seeing them regularly. So every three weeks, every then it went to every four weeks, then every six months, and now it's every year. One thing that I love to tell everyone is when I was diagnosed with APS, they told me or the doctor told me that I was going to have to be in a wheelchair for two years. Now, I was 21 at the time, and I said, no way. You know, I have to live. I'm 21. You know, they obviously put me in therapy, but they only, they only had me up to do therapy, you know, once a day. Now, I was in the hospital that was specifically to, like, recover. And so I was doing therapy three times a day. <laughs> so in my spare time when I didn't have doctors and stuff. So, you know, I'm very proud of that. And that's an accomplishment that I think has really pushed me. That I, you know, the doctors can say one thing, but the person who has the final word is God. God and you. Because I feel like, you know, if I obviously didn't have the motivation to do my exercises three times a day. I don't think even praying would have helped. It's crazy how my life went. It went from, you know, working out, going to the gym twice a day um, for two years to learning how to walk. It was definitely very life-changing and it makes me value life a lot more, you know, being able to simply walk. One question that I get a lot is how do I stay so positive and mentally strong? As I said before, I don't think I could have through without family support. Definitely the family support plays a huge role in it because I, like they weren't giving up on me. Extended family wasn't giving up on me. So why should I give up on myself? The other part was that my father told me, Somos los cuatro fantásticos. Now, for those of you that don't speak Spanish, is that we're the four fantastic. And he always, he talks about us as like, we're a family that holds blocks. So if one person's down, the other three help you build up. But at that point, it was my father lost a lot of weight. My mother, for sure. I mean, because at the time, my sister was going to, through to school and she was doing a pageant. And so my mom was back and forth from Emory Hospital to my sister's hospital. It was, it was insane. My sister, definitely, because she, she would come stay with me on the weekends. So when I got my own my own private room and physical therapy like room, she would stay with me on the weekend. She would study for her test or sometimes she would sleep at the hospital with me because her school was only like 20 minutes away versus where we live. It's like an hour away. I really don't think my family never made me feel like a burden. It's just insane when I think about all this that that I went through and I'm just but like I said I just think about like how I was before and how I am now like I'm grateful to be alive I'm grateful to be able to talk about and and I'm grateful because I know the pain that I went through and the fact that I'm I can now talk about it without crying as much because I still cry and I still but it's like emotional tears because I think about like wow I really went through that and I really think it's you know the love and the you know, I was motivated to be able to share my story. Being so young and not having anyone around me that knew what I was going through. I, yeah, like family helps and they motivate you. But at the end of the day, they don't know exactly what you're going through. And I think what has really helped me was that I formed the Instagram community. Um, a brand reached out to me and they said, we want to hear your story. 
and it was from Neon Chargeables. And I was really happy about it because it felt like now I can uncover my mask. Yeah, it was a very powerful part of my journey and I will be forever grateful for them. And from then, it just led to more stories, you know, sharing my stories. And then when I started interacting with them, I can now say that those followers are now one of my closest friends. And I formed like a big community on there that focuses a lot on autoimmune diseases and insane to me how thing how like it started by me sharing my story because I didn't want to feel alone and to now I can say I'm a content creator who does this full time and I get to do what I love each day I'm very happy how my life has played out it's crazy and I'm so excited to see where things lead me off in the future I'm, I'm very excited a message that I would like to give to young people is don't stop if you have a message to share or you're meant to do something. You never know who you may inspire. So just talk about whatever you're going through, whether it's an illness, whether it's a boyfriend breakup. I mean, anything. I think people can always listen to someone who's raw and authentic. And I really believe that because I'm raw and authentic and I don't, I show my day-to-day life. So some days it's good, some days it's bad, but you guys are there with me along the way. And Yeah, I think that's my message that I would give to young people is just share, just share what you're going through, you know, be authentically you, you know, and always be kind because kindness can get you a long way. And maybe you're kind to a person who's having an awful day and maybe you save them. Thank you for listening and I'll see you Monday.